I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on. We talk about basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happens. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Temper Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan. New York Sports Radio. Mike's on. Mike's on. All right, we hit the fan on this Friday night, April 17th. Uh, we'll take it out until 6.30. Brought to you by Casamigos Tequila, as always. Brought to you by those who drink it. On this uh, April 17th, uh, and you heard that they will replay the, you know, they've been playing the games back for, you know, the halcyon days of old, some of the great games. Uh, today's uh, 86 Game 7 uh, of the World Series back in 1986, uh, that classic year which ended uh with the Red Sox and the Mets, and we all know what happens in Game 7 after the events of Game 6. Um, today's another day in Met history because it was actually today, April 17, 1964, that Chase Stadium opened. Now, I remember it well because I got to watch a lot of it because it was actually my confirmation day. So I didn't have school regular day of school. And... I got to see the game. I didn't get to go to the game, but I got to see the game. And I remember the game. Uh, Stargell hitting a home run. Pirates winning. Mets were still terrible in those days, 62, 63, 64. Um, Bob Friend against Jack Fisher. The guys you knew from the Pirates. Uh, Don Clendenin, who would come to the Mets in 69 and make such a big difference for them was at first base for the Buccos that day. They had 16 hits. Verdon was in center field. Clemente, Stargell, who had four hits in the homer. Uh, Clendenin, Bob Bailey, Bill Mazarowski at second. Uh, and Bob Friend on the mound. Uh, Jack Fisher. The Met lineup. Uh, Tim Harkness. George Altman, who was actually born on my birthday. I mentioned that many years ago. Uh, Ron Hunt. Jesse Gonder. Frank Thomas was still there, Jim Hickman. This was still before the first turnover of Met guys. Cranepool pinch hit. Uh, John Stevenson, Jack Fisher, you know, guys like that, Larry Bright. Um, Larry Burright. Um, you know, terrible team. You know, Thomas could hit home runs, as you know. He was a home run, a slugger. Uh, Hickman could hit home runs. Went later to the Cubs and hit a bunch of home runs. Uh, but it was a terrible team. Ron Hunt was their first All-Star, obviously, as you know. Um, but they opened Shea Stadium, 64. Remember, if you remember, 
me being a Yankee fan, and 64 is the last year of the dynasty. It's the last, it's not, it's not Mickey's last year. It's Mickey's last great year. Uh, it should have been the MVP. They win the pennant by a game and then go seven games with the Cardinals. Havisham wrote the classic book, 64, about the National League coming of age with the black players and the Cardinals with Brock and Gibson. And then the Yankees, the aging white dynasty, which got all the players before that. The free agent draft was just about to come in. This was the last year of the Yankee dynasty. Remember, from 1949 to 1964, the Yankees played in the World Series 49, they win it all. 50, they win it all. 51, they win it all. The magic goes out. Mickey comes in. 52, they win it all. 53, they win it all. 54, they lose to the Indians. They win 100 games and finish second to the Indians. 55, they win it all. 56, they win it all. 57, they win it all. 58, they win it all. 59, they have a bad year. The White Sox go to the World Series. 60, they win it. They lose the World Series. 61, they win it. Man Lamaris, 115 home runs. Eminem boys. They beat the Reds in five games. 62, they win the World Series against the Giants in seven games. 63, they win the pennant by a mile. Mickey only plays, only has 172 at-bats because he breaks his leg. Ellie wins the, Elson Howard wins the MVP. The Yankees win the pennant by a mile, lose the World Series in four straight to the Dodgers. 64, Yankees struggle in the pennant race. Maris is hurt. Ford showing his age. Mel Stoudemire comes up to make a big trade for Pedro Ramos, which helped him in the bullpen. Mickey had a big year, 35-111-303, his last big year. I remember on Labor Day, Labor Day Monday, my brother John took me with his friends, and he was six and a half years older than me. He took me with his friends, which was nice of him, to the doubleheader, Yankees-White Sox. We were sitting in left field in the top deck, Right where the foul pole was. First time I, and only time I ever sat up there. Dave Nicholson, that big slugging swish, they used to call him because he struck out so many times, was in left field for the, for the White Sox. The Yankees were in a fierce pennant race with the White Sox and the Orioles. Juan Pizarro and Gary Peters pitched the doubleheader. Yankees swept all five games against the White Sox, including that doubleheader, and moved into first place. I remember being at that doubleheader. I still remember Mantle hitting a a double off the 457 mark on one short hop off Juan Pizarro. A laser beam that actually hit the wall, and he just tried it into second base. Um. Might have hit a little more closer to the auxiliary scoreboard than the 457, but right between those two sides. Hit the, hit the wall there. Um, I remember that World Series so unbelievably. And I remember Shea Stadium because I, I remember Shea Stadium because those years was the World's Fair and we would get like, I went once with my mom to the World's Fair, where mom took us to the World's Fair one time. But school took us every year to the World's Fair. Like, the couple of years that it was open, it took us every year. And one year, I think it took us multiple trips to the World's Fair. Because that was a big deal, the World's Fair. Cause of the Future, DuPont, I mean, you know, GM, DuPont, stuff like that with a big... 
pavilions of the day. And in that was this new stadium with the terrible Mets. And I was not a Mets fan, I was a Yankee fan. And the Yankees were still the Yankees. They were getting old, but they were the Yankees. They were a crumbling dynasty. As Hal Reniff said in the book, you could see we were crumbling. We were decaying in front of our own eyes. And obviously that World Series, which I remember so... I, I, I remember that World Series. So... Un, I, I, I remember it almost out for out. I, 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 I don't know why that one stuck in my head so much more than others. First, it was the last one that Mantle ever played in, which made it memorable. And I never had a chance to have those Yankees in another World Series. I remember 63. I remember what Sandy did in game one. I remember Mickey hitting the home run off Sandy in game four. I remember Mickey uh, getting the base hit off Drysdale when Drysdale pitched a brilliant game in game three. I remember the shots Mantle hit off Padres in game two that were bombs that just got caught as Padres beat him in game two. Sandy beat him in game one and game four, two, one in game four. Mickey homered, Whitey Ford, uh, Whitey Ford pitch, Frank Howard homered. Pepe lost the ball in the, in the short sleeves. That was, and he was a great fielder, too. That's 63. 64. Game three was a Saturday afternoon when Mickey hit the walk-off against Barney Schultz. It was a rainy-ish, overcast day. And I stayed at my friend's house to watch, and I said, I got to watch the ninth inning. And I timed it to get back to my house before Mantle came up in the bottom of the ninth. And I just got to my house in time to get the TV on in the bottom of the ninth uh, coming from my friend's house because I had been watching the game over there. It was a rainy, chilly day. And he hit the home run, the walk-off. And then the next day, I remember where I was in the first inning when the Kenny Boy hit the grand slammer off Al Downing and they won that game. Then the next day was Tim McCarver's day. In game six, they went back to Saint, they went back to St. Louis, and the Yankees bombed Kurt Simmons. Uh, Mantle homered, Maris homered, Pepe hit a grand slammer, and then game seven, we all know what happened. They got behind. Mantle hit the big three-run homer in the fifth inning, and then they lost seven to five, as Gibson gave up the home runs in the ninth inning to Boyer and uh, Fillins, and they lose seven to five. Uh, but Shea Stadium opened on this day, February, uh, April 17th, 1964. And I spent a lot of time in Shea Stadium in those years after that because the Yankees, you know, they were good. They were okay, but they weren't great. They were 500. You know, they, man, was getting older. I still go see him. But then he left, and then came the 69 Mets, and then the Mets were the far more, you know, important team with Siva until the Yankees got George and everything turned around. And then I remember going in 76 to my first World Series game that I'd ever seen. I never, I never went to any of the Met World Series games. I didn't have a ticket. I did go to the game in 64 where they, I did go to the game in 69 in September 24th where they clinched the pennant. I did not go to any of the Brave games. I did not go to any of the World Series games. I didn't have tickets. I did go to my first World Series game in 76, games three and four against the Reds. Those were the first two World Series games I ever attended on very cold nights. 
But I remember how Shea Stadium was this new, fancy, you know, really amazing building when it first opened. And I went, oh, look at this stadium. It's, you know, wow, it's futuristic, just like, the World's, just like the World's Fair. And it really wasn't. It was really kind of, you know, kind of a dump. What a great building when you think about it. It was not a great building. But, you know, in that time, it was a big deal when they first opened that building. I had been to the Polo Grounds. I had never seen Ebbets Field. I went to the Polo Grounds when the Mets played there. My brother, again, took me to see the Reds play the Mets in a doubleheader in 1963. And Pete Rose was there. Duke Snyder was on the Mets. We sat behind the plate in the upper deck. The only other time I went to Ebbets Field, I mean, the only other time I went to the Polo Grounds was with my Little League in 62 to see the Mets play the Pirates. Our Little League team went. Our Summer League team went. We sat out in a boondock somewhere. And, you know, left in the seventh inning where they had the bus leaves or whatever it is. You know, you wear your uniform. You know, that was, that was me. So you think about how these days stick in your head. All these years later, the World's Fair, which some of you may remember, a lot of you don't, Shea Stadium opening. So a lot of you thinking right now, think about Shea Stadium 1964 opening on April 17th. And tonight, as my fans, you get to relive a very special day for you. A team that was destined to win which won 109 games in the regular season, which should have been a dominant team and really had a, was life and death to beat a really good Astros team and then life and death to win a World Series game, which was a World Series, which was a terribly managed World Series by both managers and not a well-played World Series, but a wild World Series. But one that I know means a great deal to Mets fans and has forever, the 86 team. So you get to hear that game with Howie today, and Howie, I'm sure, has got a million recollections for you. And I'm sure he's got one about Shea Stadium because he's, you know, Howie's got is as good a med historian as there is. And he might even have been there that day. I don't know. I remember making my confirmation that day and being home because I didn't have school because I did I got confirmed, and I remember the Mets and the Pirates and the nostalgia home run and the Pirates winning. I think four two, four two, four three. I think four. I think it was four three, or maybe four two. You know, so on a time when we don't have anything else going on, that's what you remember. And baseball, it's amazing. You can remember these days, especially in baseball, more than in other sports. I mean, I watched and I saw the Knicks when they were terrible. And, you know, when they had, you know, when I was a kid and they had Bells Bellamy and Howard Combwives and stuff like that. I remember the Knicks then. And I went and saw the Giants play. Twice when I was a kid, I didn't, we couldn't afford tickets, but twice I got to go. Once I saw the Cowboys. Once I saw the Browns and Jimmy Brown. But somehow your baseball memories in those days are just much brighter and much more vivid and are more lasting. When you grew up in those days, baseball was, you might have played football and we did. We liked basketball, but basketball is what you pick up a little later than first and second grade. You pick up baseball first. But your memories of baseball are so strong. 
and so lasting. All right, we're back here as we take it at 6.30, and then, of course, they're going to replay the game for you. So you'll hear Game 7 of the 86 World Series with Howie as your uh, tour guide. Um, We'll be with you Sunday morning at 9, as we've been in recent weeks, and we'll be until all the craziness is over, until they bring the folks back who uh, work on the weekends. Uh, So I'm sure they want to get back to their jobs and stuff, So, uh, but we'll fill in until that time comes. Um, You know, I just heard uh, a commercial or a public service announcement. And as we start this process, which we won't in New York for a month, but which you will start to see unfold around the country in the days to come, where you'll see in certain states people starting to move about again, maybe in some states abuse the privileges a little bit, while we'll, while we'll still be home. And then eventually they'll give us the green light to start venturing out and things will start to open little by little. But in our end of the industry, as in what we do, which is obviously on the fan sports, but take it and expand it even a little bit past there. It is very difficult to listen to the thought process of our leaders, whether you're talking about Governor Cuomo or Fauci or any of the guys, heeding their warnings and then seeing how we are going to, until we have some drugs that work, a therapeutic that takes death off the table, a vaccine that works, How are we going to get back to any sense of normalcy in the things that we deal with? Can you see a sporting event with fans in the building? I can't. There's some things that, like, I can see somebody driving back to an office building and working. I have a hard time seeing a jammed subway. I have a hard time seeing a jammed Long Island Railroad train. I don't see people jamming into a movie theater on Friday night to see a new movie. I don't see people waiting outside a jammed restaurant. I don't see people flocking to the west side of Manhattan and jamming into a hot Broadway musical. Or a concert at Madison Square Garden or Radio City where you're elbow to elbow with people. Or into... Yankee Stadium on a, you know, Saturday night, jam-packed Yankee Stadium against the uh, Red Sox or the Indians. I don't see that happening right away. I think when people go to make a choice, they are not going to take that risk until they have some assurances. So... I can see sports coming back to fulfill their end of the deal in terms of TV contracts, empty stadiums, empty arenas, basically creating TV studios so they can get their games in. The NBA right now is talking about cutting their 
players pay 25% on May 15th? I don't know if they'll play playoff games or not. I don't know if the NHL will play playoff games or not. I don't know what this baseball season is going to look like when it does start, if it starts. It's very hard to see that part of it. Some things you can see. You can see people going back into a store. You can see people even going back into a shopping mall and keeping their distance. You can see people going back into a supermarket. You can even see them going to get a haircut. But I can't see them in a Broadway theater. I can't see them in a concert hall. I can't see them in Radio City person-to-person, jammed elbow-to-elbow. I can't see them in Yankee Stadium. Very hard to envision that right now without some safeguards. The poll I saw said 62% of Auden fans said they would not go until they had some safety assurances, and 71% of all people. That's 7 out of 10. That kind of hurts your business. So I just think we have to realize we're going to have to take small steps rather than think we're just going to you know, dive in and have you know, a beach party going on, the fir- on Memorial Day weekend. You're going to be running out to that hot restaurant and it's going to be you know, wall-to-wall people the first night that you're out in May. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know how that could happen without any assurances because we could wind up right back in the same place again. There are still so many questions to answer. So much anxiety, so much uncertainty, so much doubt. We have a long way to go. We'll see you Sunday morning at 9. Casamigos Tequila, as always, sponsors the program, brought to you by those who drink it. Have a uh, safe and happy weekend. Uh, We will see, as we said, Sunday uh, at 9. Take you 9 to 1 on Sunday. We will have special draft shows from 6 to 7 on the fan on Thursday and Friday. Uh, 86 Game 7 coming up directly. So sit sit back and remember uh, some... uh, Happier sports moments, one of the happiest for a lot of you Mets fans, one of the best nights you ever had, best nights you ever experienced. That coming up next right here on The Fan. Have a good weekend. Be safe. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.